Welcome back to part two of episode seven. Uh, again, this is kind of awkward stopping point, um, but it was going into a new topic for the uh, conversation. And so kind of had to make that awkward pause. Again, we didn't know this was going to be a three hour plus discussion. So I needed to split it up into two episodes. Um, just thank you so much for, you know, tuning in, hanging in there with me. Uh, like I said previously, it's not going to be perfect. Um, especially if, you know, you get into these deep conversations with people, lose track of time, you know, these episodes could continue turning out this way. So we'll see. Um, again, thank you so much. Uh, Deshaun, you know, is a Cleveland police officer, uh, grew up in Cleveland, apparently doesn't really like Cleveland a whole lot, uh, as you could tell from the first episode, but he has a lot of insight into being a police officer and especially being a black police officer, uh, in the world that we live in here today in the past, you know, couple of years with all the things that have happened in the news and everything. So yeah, welcome back and I uh, hope you enjoy part two. So I definitely say, hey, yeah, bond with your coworkers. Absolutely. You got to develop that bond. You're going to develop that bond. Mm -hmm. You're going to have barbecues. You're going to become friends. You're going to hang out outside of work, but don't get sucked into it. Continue to have your normal friends and realize like, hey, this is just what normal is. And you can have those conversations. And like, so for instance, my friends know they don't ask me about stuff that's going on at work because, and I told them this a long time ago, and I'll say this for the podcast. If you know a cop, if you know a firefighter, if you know that somebody that works in a hospital, never ever ask them, what's the worst thing you've seen? What's the worst thing you've experienced? You're literally forcing someone who has repressed some trauma to relive that moment. Not just re-envision it, but you're reliving it. You're smelling it. You're tasting it. You're there. And you're asking it for your entertainment. Right. Just because, oh, I'm in a room with a cop. I'm in a room with a, oh, he said he is a trauma surgeon. You don't want to ask that because what's the worst thing you've seen? That's like, and you're typically a stranger or maybe you're a friend, but it's like me coming up to you, Cameron, and say, hey, what's the worst trauma in your life? Tell me right now. You're going to relive that. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel every, you're, your hairs are going to start to stand up. So I try to tell, I tell my friends this and they know now, but I try to tell as many people as I can. Don't ask people that. Like if I'm at a bar and they're like, hey, yeah, this is my friend. He's a cop. Oh well, yeah. What's don't don't ask that. Yeah. Don't like what's what's yeah. the craziest shit you've seen? Don't yeah. don't I ask. I hate that question. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, and it's like we're here to decompress. Usually, it's at a somber event, you know, a Super Bowl party, or you're at the bar, or you're at dinner at a restaurant or something, and then somebody asks you this, or you're shopping for clothes or something, you know, and then they want you to relive a traumatic experience that wasn't on your mind that you repressed and boxed up or however you dealt with it. Right. So I do try to tell as many people as that as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, to give some form of context here, 
we had we have a mutual friend who was also a cop um and they quit because they couldn't handle you know all that trauma happening and um i was just chit-chatting with them one day and they i didn't ask them about it but they mentioned it Mm -hmm. that you know that that nightclub shooting that happened over in dayton Mm -hmm. they were like i was supposed to be there that night if i didn't quit and i was like Mm. the hair standing on the back of my neck right now just mentioning it like that is the level of trauma that you could be bringing up mm-hmm. with someone like this like yeah, yeah don't absolutely. force someone to relive that absolutely absolutely like yeah i'll i'll ask people like here on the podcast i know you you've yeah listened. like you're, i said i, I completely volunteer yeah. i volunteered to be here so yeah i knew what traumas i was gonna unearth and i don't think yeah. we've even touched the surface of any of them so um, yeah I volunteer for this. I reached out to you to do this. So, but there's a time and a place here Mm. in your studio. This is the place. This is the time. But like I said, at Big Lots, when your friend is saying, hey, yeah, this is my buddy, Deshaun. He's a cop. Oh, cool. That's sweet. What's the worst thing? Bro, we're in Big Lots. (laughs) You know, like, hey, we're at the Cheesecake Factory. Like, what are you doing? You know, we're bowling. (laughs) Like, yeah. not the time and the place. Right. Yeah. There's there's definitely a time and a place, and it's in more of a, I guess, intimate, deeper exactly. conversation. Exactly. And and you got to be ready to, I guess, volunteer it. Yeah. Right. Let them let them open up to you because yeah. I want I don't even want to say like, hey, if you don't mind sharing, can you tell me your most traumatic? No, because even if I say, yeah, I don't want to share. I'm still reliving it. Right. So Yeah, for sure. Um so go to like a little different direction because okay. this is this is kind of deep. Uh was was being a cop what you wanted to be when you grew up? Is that was that always on your mind or so I know you tried to go to a lighter direction. Oh, did I accidentally yeah, you fuck actually, up? Yeah, you oh, just man. went straight. But no, it's, so it's okay. No, because like I said, we were going to air this out. So okay. I wanted to be a cop. I've always wanted to be a cop because, like I said, so my dad was in and out of my life. Um, but when he was in, he was abusive to my mom. And oh, like, shit. I'm young. So I'm like, I remember he was in my life till I was like five. Then he left. And then he came back at like nine for like a couple months. And then he's just been gone ever since, except for like once. Mm-hmm. But um, so like I said, my dad was abusive to my mom. Um, being that young and that small, I couldn't do anything to help my mom. This is my mom who I've lived with all my life. You know, she's made everything capable as a single parent mom. Yeah. She did whatever she could to make everything happen for me. And then he would just, like I said, he came into my life at like nine and he was abusive to her again. And I'm like, you know, I'm nine, but like, I'm still not big. I'm not strong. I can't fight off a grown man. So as a kid, even at like five, the only thing I could do was call the police call the police hey my dad's be my mom and so growing up 
I didn't really watch cartoon. I'm not gonna say cartoons. I watched cartoons, but I didn't really get into like superheroes. So like, when people say like, "Oh yeah, what's your favorite Marvel or your favorite DC?" I never really got into superheroes because, and I know this sounds cheesy, but this is what I think to be true. I saw cops as superheroes. When my mom is here and, you know, my dad's giving her a black eye and still going and I can't do anything and I call 911, the police come and they come quick Mm -hmm. and they stop it. And this is the 90s. So, you know, this is before body cameras. So they stop it and they beat his ass. You know, I mean, plain and simple. They're like, you're putting your hands on a woman. And my dad. So, like I said, I'm five, seven, maybe five, eight with boots on. My dad's like six eleven. Holy shit. And my mom, like still to this day, my mom's like five foot, five two. So they're like, You're putting your hands on this little lady. So this is before body cameras. Body cameras weren't even a thing. Yeah. So they come, they break up the fight and they beat his ass. But so this is something that I see a lot in law enforcement and I hate it, but I I'm not gonna say I understand it. I get it. When you love somebody or you think it's love, when you don't really know what true love is and you think it's love. So we'll get calls like that from kids or from the actual female. And then we'll come and they'll say, oh, well, I don't want to press charges. I don't want him to go to jail. I just want him to leave for the night. And then he comes over the next day and he does it again. Or whenever, next week or whatever. We have repeat houses where you hear the address, respond to this address. You already know what's going on. You already know... You know them by name. You know what's happening. So my mother was that type of person where, so like I said, I have included myself. There's three siblings. We all have different fathers. So I think that my mother might have been trying to stay with my dad and make it work to raise me properly. Plus also I was a boy and female raising a male. It's like some things you can't learn from a female. Right. So. I think that's why she tried to hold on to it. But again, police would come. I don't want to press charges. I just want them to leave. And that irritates me when I'm at work and I hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to be a cop. And that's why I didn't really get into superheroes until maybe high school when I probably had just repressed it deep enough. And like, you know, 2007 to 11, um, you know, you're going on dates, you're in high school. So it's like, what are you going to go see? You're going to go to the movies. You're going to see movies. So I started to watch Spider-Man. And like, I started to watch, well, I don't think I've ever seen, I've never seen a Batman movie. Really? I've never seen a Batman movie. It's like the most popular I, I know. superhero movie. And see, I will say that Batman is a cop because he's got a duty belt. He has no powers. He's yeah. just a cop with an amazing budget, but I've He's never a rich watched white it. man. Yeah, but I've never watched it. So, um, but yeah, I got into like Spider Man. I love Spider Man still. Um, Iron Man, Transformers. I love Transformers. Um, but yeah, growing up, didn't really get into superheroes because I felt like cops were superheroes. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, I want to be that person that when that kid calls, I show up. I want to be that superhero. So, yeah, since I was literally five years old, I've wanted to be a cop. Wow. And was that, so that was something that stuck with you as you grew up. Like, I want to be a cop. I want to go through all of this, whatever. Mm -hmm. As you got older, you went to 
college for law enforcement, right? Yep. Yeah. So you you planned it out. Yeah, I I planned it out. Obviously, uh, I planned it out a whole lot better. Um, so in high school, I just knew, like you know, in high school, for us, college degrees weren't like they're almost like there's just the next step. Right. Everybody goes to college now, yeah. but like college degrees back then were that was literally extra school. So for me to go to the FBI, you needed a college degree. And that was my goal back in high school. So I'm like, okay, you can be a cop with a high school diploma. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to college so that I can be a federal agent. I wanna be in the FBI. And then as I got older, you know, um, I got an OVI, you were there that night. <laughs> um, I, I may have uh, <laughs> seen this unfold. Yes. So, um, but not only that, um, so I realized like, hey, when you got that OVI, some agencies are like, yeah, you can't work for us at all or yeah. stuff like that. They, you know, in law enforcement, your background is a big part of you. It's how they know you're not crooked, okay? Is this guy going to, does he have a record for stealing? If he has a record for stealing, guess what? He's going to be getting evidence and he's probably going to steal it, you know? So, um, then also I started to look more into what the federal agencies do. And I'm like, FBI, as a kid, I was just like, oh, they're undercover cops. They wear suits. They don't yeah, drive cool. police cars. That's cool. But once you get older, you're like, FBI is actually pretty boring. Mm -hmm. They investigate white collar crimes. They wear suits because they don't need a uniform. When they, you know, they don't need to be identified. So... I realized okay fbi isn't the way to go then in college we had a dea agent come in and speak to us and he said at the end of his presentation he was like yeah well you know you can't do any hard drugs there a lot of or i'm not going to say a lot all federal jobs give a polygraph right it's not admissible in court but you have to take a polygraph to get a federal job so you got to take a polygraph. DEA is like, hey, you can't do any hard drugs, which I've never done hard drugs. But then they also say you can't smoke marijuana more than 10 times in your life. And I'm like, that would have been cool. So <laughs> that one time um, I had high school, those pot I will brownies. Say high, high school, I was a pothead. So surprisingly. Um, so, yeah. Either way, I'm like, okay, so DEA's out. Now... Um, if I do go federal, if I do get the privilege to go federal, but like I said, so college has become just the next step after high school, you go to college. So everybody has a high school degree, I mean, a college degree. So when it comes down to applying for federal agencies, their hiring pool is greater because you graduate college and you're not really, you're not going to get hired right away in your field. So yeah. All these other jobs that you're applying for, these entry-level jobs, you're not making a lot of money. So if you want to go federal, because federal is the way to make over six figures a year easily as a law enforcement agent, um, you want to go federal. But their hiring pool is vast. They have so many people with college degrees. So you end up working for a city, and you're like, hey, you know, 60 to 80 is not bad. 50 is not bad. 
So you start working for a city and then you stay there and you hope that you can go federal. But um, it's just harder to get into now because, like I said, their hiring pool, they get so many candidates. So, yeah. But I'm not going to let that diminish me. If I did want to go federal, I would love to go to the U.S. Marshals. Um, U.S. Marshals, for people that don't know, they hunt fugitives. So they're the ones that are, okay, somebody has a murder warrant. We're going to go get them. And it's like, you get a murder warrant out of Cleveland. Like, let's say Cleveland has somebody with a murder warrant. They're suspecting that he's down in Florida. Cleveland can't go. Well, Cleveland can, but they're going to call the U.S. Marshals and they're going to say, hey, this guy is down there. He's a fugitive. We want him. Can you guys bring him to us? And so they'll start doing their own investigation. Cleveland will turn over the files and Florida, let's say Miami, Miami's office of the U.S. Marshals will do their own investigation. They'll try to track down based off of like witnesses or whatever information they've been given. They'll try to find them and typically they'll find them. So within my department, I'm on the SWAT team and I'm also on the U.S. Marshal Task Force. And so the U.S. Marshal Task Force, we're not U.S. Marshals, but we're deputies of the U.S. Marshals. So there'll be people from like different SWAT teams. We'll meet up together and like we'll say, okay, um, this guy's wanted for this. And he's either suspected to be in this area or he's out of this area. So five o'clock in the morning, we're kicking in doors in some suburb looking for this guy. And we'll look for him until we get him. Or until we get other information that proves that he's no longer in this area anymore. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is, I would love to work for the U.S. Marshals and get their money for doing it. <laughs> but that's what I do when I get caught in. Yeah. So, um, and then also SWAT team callouts. But yeah, I would love to be a U.S. Marshal. Um, that sounds like an intense job. Honestly, it sounds. You're getting to... paid to play hide and seek. That's <laughs> professional hide and seek. But it's like seek. worldwide. It's professional. It's like, hey, we're gonna give you a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year and a take home car to play hide and seek. All right, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. So, the way that I, like I'm understanding what you're saying is it. It seems like it's a little less dangerous than being a. a cop on the street or is it more dangerous it's a little less dangerous because you're hunting more your job is literally to hunt dangerous people yeah so that's the danger in itself but you're not making an arrest every day mm -hmm. whereas me on the street the most dangerous thing we can do is a traffic stop yeah second domestic violence or just any unknown trouble in any house so I pull over a car, common misdemeanor crime in our city, window tint. I'm starting to see a lot of window tint in other places too. Um, but so recently, within like the past two years, it's been, it's not accepted by law, but it's been more popular to tint your front windshield. Oh yeah, I've seen that a lot too. Yeah, so we can't see anything in that car. It's illegal. 
No tint on the front windshield whatsoever. There's a little arrow and a line in the left and the right hand corners of your windshield. Tint is not supposed to come past that arrow. If it does, we can write you a citation. Um, fun fact, next time you're in your car, you'll look at that arrow and be <laughs> like, wow, didn't even notice that was there. Yeah. Um, so we see somebody with window tint. I'm If I see somebody with a tinted windshield and I'm driving in the opposite direction, I'm going to make a U-turn. I, out of curiosity, I want to know what's in that car. Typically, your average person with nothing to hide doesn't want to hide. But this is the double entendre. All cops have their windows tinted. Yeah. Most, most cops have their windows tinted. Chances are, well, not in my city, but chances are I would say, yeah, maybe 70 to 80% of my department has tinted windows um like on I your have, personal car yeah on their personal car i have not gone to the front windshield yet but i have friends that have and but anyway like i said so i see that car on the street i want to know what's in there mm-hmm. so i'll get behind it i'll run the plate okay um plate comes back clean tells me who the owner operator or owner is not the operator so i stop that vehicle and let's just say I don't know who's driving that car. So it may come back as not stolen because it hasn't been reported stolen because the victim is dead or anything. It doesn't even have to be tinted windows. Let's just say I stop somebody and somebody is in that car is like, hey, I'm not going back to prison. This cop comes up here. I'm not going back to prison. I have a warrant. I'm going to do whatever I can to stay out here on these streets. So... You're literally walking up to the unknown and everybody knows when they see those lights in their rearview mirror, nothing good is about to happen. Absolutely. So when you're already like, hey, when you're in that mindset where you're like, hey, I will kill this cop in order to not go back to prison, then you're in that mindset. If you're thinking, I just don't want to speed. Oh man, I just, I cannot get another speeding ticket. You might just be upset. You're like, hey, listen, officer, I really can't get another speeding ticket. But you never know if it's going to be one of those traffic stops where it's like, hey, I'm going to give you a break. Or there's somebody sitting in the driver's seat with a gun waiting and watching you walk up, you know. So to bring it all back, yes, police officers, more dangerous. You never know what the next call is going to be. Um, not my department. Well, yeah, we've been shot at. I've been shot at more times than I would like to have been, personally. <laughs> um, but pe- cops are getting shot at ambush calls where you'll get that call and you'll hear like, hey, yeah, my dad is beating up my mom. And so you get there. And while you're walking up to the house, somebody next door or across the street hiding in a bush or something just shoots you. And you're either injured or worse, dead. And there was never even a call at that house. Wow. So it's getting a lot worse. It's definitely getting a lot worse. The numbers of um, police officers dying in the line of duty is going up. It has been. The number of people that want to be police officers is going down. It has been. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do it. It's not worth the money. Um, people with the time to retire, they're retiring. They're glad that they're getting out when they did. Um people my age with five years on 
we're looking for ways out. Um, started my own business. I am a firearms instructor. I instruct pistol, rifle, shotgun. Um, I instruct concealed carry classes, advanced pistol classes, whatever you want to learn, I'll teach it. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this. Yeah. This is a great time uh, since Absolutely. you brought it up. What, what was like the driving factor for you to do this? I love shooting. Yeah. I love guns. Um, and I was like, hey, if I can just make money from this, mm -hmm. that would be great. And so then I started looking into it. I'm like, okay, I want to be an instructor. How can I be an instructor? There's two ways I can be an instructor. I can become an instructor through OPADA, which is um, Ohio Peace Officer Training Commission. That's who license us to be police officers. So you go to the police academy. It's 22 weeks long. Don't quote me on the hours. The hours when I graduated might have been 750 required hours. So out of that 750 hours, 70 of it is driving, or this is five years ago, so don't quote me. 70 of it was driving. 70 of it, no, 40 of it was driving. 70 of it was hand-to-hand -hand subject control techniques. Um, 70 of it was shooting. Maybe 80 of it was learning the Ohio Revised Code. So you literally go through the Ohio Revised Code and you learn the laws. So that's why I say they're literally going to cram being a lawyer, being a fighter, being a NASCAR driver, being a paramedic, all within 22 weeks. They're going to cram all of that into your head. And then they're like, okay, congratulations. Here's your certificate. Go get a job or you're sworn into a city and it's like okay go do some good so yes officers do make mistakes when it comes down to you know maybe they cited incorrectly maybe they don't know the law and then that's when people they'll get on they have their phones out oh, you stop me for this this isn't even illegal this isn't even illegal okay that's what courts are for we're not gonna have court here you can't force a cop to know everything that a lawyer knows at all times. It's right. too much learning. Um, but that's what you expect of them. So, and then, you know, there's precedents that come out and then there's this Supreme Court cases that come out and there's other judgments that come out. So laws change and you have to be aware of it. You have to be updated on it, but you have to go out of, I'm not gonna say go out of your way. There's usually memos that come down within the department that says, hey, has this law has changed, blah, 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 but not always. So just to bring that back full circle, um, OPADA, they're the people that commission me. They can, I can take a course through OPADA and they'll say, okay, you're an OPADA firearms instructor. So that means I can teach you a private citizen for your concealed carry, or I can go to the police academy and I can teach a firearms class. I can teach a portion of their firearms class. Um, one thing I don't like about OPADA is that if I would have gotten my license to instruct through OPADA, I can only issue Ohio concealed carry licenses. The other way is to take a class through the NRA. As much as I hated the NRA, you join the NRA, you become an instructor through the NRA, and you're a licensed instructor. Now you can teach anywhere. It's the National Rifle Association. Yeah. So 
that's the route I took. Um, and I just want to develop my company. Um, I have goals. So right now I'm just teaching shooting, but, and I'm in, I'm not an expert of these other categories by any means, but from what I see on an everyday basis, I feel like people can need, people can use some help in these other courses, these other areas. So sometime next year, I wanna start teaching financial responsibility classes. And I also wanna start teaching some cooking classes. Again, not an expert in these fields, Yeah. but the average person that I run into they need some help. Like, I needed help years ago, a few years ago. I didn't, I want to say I barely had a savings account. I had my retirement, my pension that I pay into, but that's just because I'm forced to, you know? So right. it's like, that's blind contribution. But I didn't have an active savings account. Saving money to me was like, okay, it's October 1st. I know Black Friday is coming up. I need to put some money aside. I don't know what I need, but I'm going to go out and blindly make some expensive purchases. Mm -hmm. So um, that was saving money to me. Or like, I know I'm going to Vegas or, hey, we're going to go on this trip. That was saving money to me. Now I'm like, okay, 20% needs to come out of my check every two weeks. And that's from what I, when I talk to more people, it's like, that's starter savings. Like that's entry level savings. And I'm like, okay. Um, but from learning more about money management, I'm learning that, you know, what is it? I don't know the percentages, but over half of Americans don't have a savings fund of at least $1,000. I think the stat is close to like 80% yeah. of Americans couldn't cover a $1,000 emergency. Exactly. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, thinking back, yeah, I was financially irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, three uh, three to four years ago, if you would ask me, like, if I would have had an emergency come up of $800, $900, I'd be like, hey, listen, uh, I get paid on this day. <laughs> so can this emergency can happen this wait? that day? Yeah. Can this wait or you know, I'm calling to borrow money. But then also my friends are that age too. So they don't have that money either. So it's like, yo, this just happened. I need this much money. How much can I borrow from you? Okay. So you're piecing stuff together. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm at a point where I'm like, listen, I'm ready to buy a house. And it's like, wow, that two years ago, three years ago, no, not at all. Right. So um, I want to help people get to this point. I can't remember. So this was even before I discovered like Dave Ramsey and Anthony O'Neill and people like that. And um, I think somebody had said 50% of your income should be your needs. These are your bills. These are your groceries, et cetera, et cetera. And then I want to say it was either 20% wants and 30% savings or 30% wants and 20% savings? It's the 30%. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 30% savings, 20%. Okay. So wants. yeah, there we go. I have 30% yeah. going to my savings then. Yeah. Um. And so 
I started living like that and I was like, okay. Then like I told you earlier, I downloaded the Mint app and I was like, now I can, once you really see where you're spending money, oh yeah, you're like, whoa. Like, so I didn't start meal prepping to stay in shape. I started meal prepping to save money. It's like you're working night shift, number one. Well, it was a combination of both. You're working night shift. There's nothing good open. You're going to eat something fast food or you're going to eat something from a gas station. It's going to be heavy. It's going to sit on you. And you're going to spend anywhere from 3 to 15 bucks to eat. Mm-hmm. So um, start saving money. Start cooking for yourself. Every day, I'm not going to say every day, but like I said earlier, um, I only eat one meal a week that's not prepared by myself. All my other meals are prepared by myself. Um, Again, I'm no nutritionist. I don't work out. I'm not like, you know, competition ready. So Yeah, you're not eating chicken, broccoli, and and rice. I mean, that's what I'm eating. But I'm saying like, I don't eat three meals a day. Yeah. I know that nutritionally i could be eating a whole lot better but i do take a couple rules into effect so like one cup of carbs one cup of protein one cup of vegetables one cup of fruit i try to have that for every meal um but i'm probably having two meals a day so do i know that i'm lacking yeah i'm lacking but it's better than most that are eating burger king mcdonald's wendy's you know you're waking up Starbucks and a, or Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a wrap to go, and then you get to lunch, and you're like, okay, well, I had Chipotle yesterday, so today we're going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. And then it's like, oh, I'm coming home from work. I'm tired. I don't want to cook. Let me stop at Chick-fil-A. And when you <laughs> look at that in the Mint app or any – once you just – if you look into your account, yeah, and that's why I like Mint because – they merge everything together. So if I spend it on my debit card, if I spend it on my credit card, it's all right there. And it's like, once you see that, you're like, I ate, I spent that much on fast food last month. It's like, okay, let's cut that out. Let's cut that out and let's divert that straight into savings. Or like I said, so one meal a week is not prepared by myself. So whether that's me going out to eat with friends, maybe that's me going on a date, maybe that's me being too lazy to cook for work. So if I don't cook for work and I go to work and I'm like, okay, it's late at night. I got to go to Rascal House and I got to get some wings and a salad. That's my one That's my one meal. So, or like if we go out, like I said, if I go out with some friends or something like that, one meal a week, though, cannot be prepared by me. And that's a way to stay healthy and financially and physically healthy. Yeah. So when you when you do your one meal a week that's not prepped by you, it's any meal. Yeah. You're not setting it as, like, whatever your off day is. It's like, I'm going to... Right. It's not like know. a cheat day, yeah. per se. Like, for instance, I'm not a big guy. So a large pizza for me will last me three, maybe four days if I stretch it. Wow. So, um, again, that's me being lazy. So, like, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not the healthiest person here. So 
there will be times where I'll be like, and it's very rare. Like I probably eat pizza three times a year, four mm-hmm. times a year max. So, but there will be some times where I'll be like, hey, I'm really craving some pizza. I haven't had pizza since I had pizza. <laughs> Ironically, what, last weekend while I was in Cincinnati. But before that, I don't think I've had pizza since like March. Wow, that's a long time without pizza. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so what I'll do is like when I'm craving pizza, I'll buy a large pizza and then I'll put three slices in a Ziploc bag and that'll be meal prepping for the week. Like I'll eat my three slices then mm. and then I'll say, okay, I got lunch for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Or, and then that'll force me to cook for the rest of the week or something like that. So, um, that's still one meal a week, but like, let's say I go to like Penn station or something like that, then you're not going to have leftover Penn station. No. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh um, man, Penn station. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, one meal a week, not prepared by myself. Like I said, if I go out on a date or like if me and my friends are like, Hey, let's go get some. Let's go to a hibachi restaurant or something like that. Then that's my one meal. Now, have you ever, like, I don't know, work hours, you're like, shit, I didn't bring a lunch, go do my one meal a week, and then, you know, two, three days later is your off day, your friends are like, hey, let's go to hibachi, and you're like, ah, man, unfortunately I can't. When I'm in, like, super budget mode, yes. And that's what I'm trying to get back to because I realized that, again, I had straight away. So I got to the point where, like, I didn't have the password to my Mint app and I wasn't checking it. So I was spending money here and I was doing this and doing that and eating here and eating there. And it was like, okay. And then, oh, so... I know exactly how that happened. So I was working at a bar off duty and this bar was paying us exceptionally well for a bar. So mm-hmm. um, just so that you know, like when guy or just so that anyone listening knows, like if you see a cop working at a bar, he's being paid by the bar. The bar says, hey, we have issues sometimes or just to prevent the issues, we're going to hire a cop. Stand at the door, walk through. Maybe they have you checking IDs. If it's a rough place, then we're patting people down. Yeah. Um. So, different bars, different bars pay different amounts. Um. As a rookie, I remember accepting as low as like twenty five dollars an hour. Twenty five dollars an hour. I'll work your bar four hours. I'll come in at ten thirty to two thirty. Is that right? 11.30 to 2.30? Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. And I'll work your bar. At the end of the night, you give me 100 bucks. It's untaxed money. It's cash. It was a quick night. Cool. Um, This summer, this bar was paying us like... 3.40 for the night. That's so, a good chunk. Yeah. And then you could come in and do extra hours because they opened early. So it wasn't hard to, let's say, listen, I'm going to call off work one day. (laughs) I'm going to have three off. I'm going to be off Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. 
and I'm going to work this bar and I'm going to go home with 1500 in cash. So I was doing that and I was like, and then also I had started the business. So it's like, I'm working. When I was working that bar, I was not even touching my work check. Wasn't even touching my debit card. I was just using the cash from the bar. And um, taking trips and I'm not going to say it was super irresponsible, but I was making more money, like a legit amount of more money. I'd also started the business, so I'm doing a CCW class with 15 students every other Saturday, and I'm charging each student 150 bucks each. I'm not charging that much anymore. I brought my <laughs> prices down to 100 bucks, so please check out wellswayinstitute.com if you need your concealed carry license. But... Yeah. I'll, shameless uh, little plug-in. Yeah, shameless plug. But, um, I'll, I'll put it in the description too. Oh, please, thank you. Of course. But um, so I'm still making this much money from teaching classes, and then I'm working a bar, so I'm like, not saving like I should be, and I'm eating out a whole lot more, and then the bar got shut down, and I was like, whoa, like me and my friends, we just started talking about like, hey, you know, this is like the first time in a long time where like I'm. I've been swiping my debit card for like a month now or my credit card for like a month now. Like I don't just have cash to spend. Yeah. So I remember August 1st, this was like, we had been working the bar for like two months and I started my business back in March. So I'm like rolling in money that I had never seen before. I'm bringing in like, you figure every weekend, I'm bringing in an extra 1500 bucks. That's a good bit. A month for like two months. So fifteen hundred bucks a week for eight weeks. So 12, like twelve twelve grand. Yeah. So like August first comes and I'm like, hey, between August first and January first, I'm gonna save ten grand. An additional ten grand. Mm-hmm. And I can still take trips wherever. Like I can do whatever. Like this is insane. And then the bar closes and it's like that really hit my pockets and i'm like <laughs> i'm like yo i'm back to like spending my check and i'm like <laughs> so i'm like i made a joke about it on facebook i'm like i think it was around september 1st and i'm like a month ago i said i was gonna save 10 grand before the end of the year an additional 10 grand before the end of the year and now it's looking real five-ish and so <laughs> then um I took a little break from teaching classes because I didn't like the curriculum that the NRA had provided. Yeah. Um, so I revamped my curriculum and I just restarted back up. I think I took like a month break. I redid my PowerPoint from scratch. I redid my test. I redid a lot of stuff. And um, so, and then I also started a website and I thought I was like, I'm pretty tech savvy for what I think. Like out of my friends, I may be the most tech savvy, but when you dive into something like HTML code and CSS, it's like, (laughs) it gets tricky really fast. But what did, what I thought was funny was that it reminded me of like MySpace. Cause I'm like, this is how we were changing backgrounds on MySpace. Like, Uh and I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. And I'm like, I wonder if some of those websites still exist and I can like just look at a theme and try to read it. So 
those websites don't exist anymore, but um, it was nice to like, you know, learn some code and I hope it's something that I never do again, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, just uh, just want to ask, have you used like Squarespace or Wix or anything like that? So what happened, I initially tried to start the website up with something called like simplybook.me. Okay. And I was creating a website and it was like wellswayinstitute.simplybook.me. And then there was, what I realized was, so I was trying to create this website for free. I'm like, so that's something that I've been trying to do within this company is force myself outside of my law enforcement comfort zone and to learn other things. And I want this business to be 100% by me. So simplybook.me was a free website. They had a pay portion, but it was a free website. So I ran a test run on my own and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to book a concealed carry class. So I went to book and then it was like, it told me the price and then I went to book now and then it said, congratulations, you're confirmed. And it sent me a confirmation email for the class and I was like, it never took my credit card. It never took my, it never asked for any form of payment. So I'm yeah. like, what I wanted was a website that was gonna be literally, you can go on there, you can click because in today's society, we don't want to talk to people. We don't want to text people. I mean, you look at Amazon Prime, you can get groceries. You can buy alcohol in an app and they'll deliver it to your door. You can get food, DoorDash, um, Uber Eats, all of that stuff. We don't want to talk to people anymore. So <laughs> here I am starting a business and I'm like a dinosaur. Like, here's my cell phone number. You can call or text it or you can email. And like, people are like, we don't, they don't want that. Don't so want I'm that. like, okay, here's a Facebook page and here's an Instagram page. And they're like, okay. So people can communicate with me without, so it's less, it's less formal than texting. Cause it's like, oh, I'm just DMing him on Instagram. So it's less formal, but then it's like, okay, so I send you to this website to register, which wasn't even my website at the time. I was using the NRA's provider website, which isn't bad, but you can't accept payment through there. It's just a, it's almost like a, a log book. So I can look on there and I can say, these are the people that registered for my class. This is who attended, this is who passed. And they'll store that information for me for years, which is cool because it's not on your computer, it's not on a hard drive or whatever cloud software you want to use. Right. But the NRA, you literally log in and it, all the classes you taught, everybody that's attended, everybody that's passed. So, but no form of payment. So now here I am. Now I'm like, okay, I want a deposit from people. And I thought I was being cool at first by requesting a low deposit. I think my deposit at first was like 25 bucks. So I'm like, okay, the class was 125 or the class was 100. I was charging $25 to rent one of my guns and $25 to shoot my ammo. Um, so if you don't have anything, class would be 150 total. So then I said, okay, that's a little steep. 
I'm going to include the gun rental in the class. So whether you have a gun or not, for a hundred bucks, you can come and you can rent my gun. Now, ammo is still over here for me. I'm still a new company. I'm not ready to eat that much of a cost. Right. Um, you know, COVID drove ammo up there. Oh, so, yeah, it did. Um, without saying any numbers, obviously, but I buy ammo in bulk. So there's like maybe like 12,000 rounds at my house right now. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to the average person, that sounds like a lot. To a gun business, it's like, okay, that's understandable. I get it. Right. Um, so it's still expensive. It's still not as cheap as it was two, three years ago. But um, I still make a decent profit by selling a box of 50 nine millimeter full metal rounds for 25 bucks. You go to the shooting range, the cheapest I've seen is like 28, 32. So I don't care if I have a class of three people. If I go to the shooting range, I'm bringing a thousand rounds because <laughs> I'll make money in there easily. Um, I hope nobody that uh, range I rent is listening to that. <laughs> but um, but then also I'll sell I sell rounds to the range. Um, since nine mil is still somewhat hard to get, they may not have any in stock. So I'll say, hey, listen, out of respect. So like, there's one range that I actually respect because we're somewhat close not close friends but we're cordial right. so um if i come in literally when i come in i'll say hey you guys got nine mil and if they say no i'll say i got a case for you if you want to buy it this is how much i'll take for it for it and then like i said so if i'm making a profit by selling a box for 25 and then they're selling it for 33 they're practically doubling my profit well yeah, they're doubling what would be profit for me, but they're still making a profit off of it. Yeah. So, um, back to, just to bring it back in, ammo's overhead. I can't eat that cost. Um, so, the business, I'm getting back into it, teaching classes, but the website i needed the website to accept payment yeah so i'm like okay this website didn't work then whenever you search like booking website squarespace kept coming up squarespace kept coming up so i'm like okay squarespace but now i'm like ah, i gotta pay to use squarespace so i'm like looking at squarespace and they're like oh well, we'll give you a free trial for 30 days so i'm like okay so there's like a base level Squarespace, which is like $18.99. You can't accept payment. There's a next level, which is like the professional level Squarespace, which was like, I want to say $26.99. You can accept payments, but you couldn't accept deposits. So then the next tier, which was like professional or what, I don't even remember, silver, whatever however they want to call it, yeah. market it, um, was like 35 bucks a month. And I ended up saying, this is what I'm going to need. So I'm like, okay, that's into my overhead as well. So, But I could accept deposits. So before even starting the website, I brought my deposit amount up from $25 to $40 because people would say, hey, I'm going to come. They paid a deposit. They don't show up. 
And then you got to get into it where they're like, oh, I gave you a deposit. Yeah, you didn't show up. And then it's like, okay, I'm a new business, so I can't really be like, you didn't show up. I got your deposit. Yeah. Here's my next class. Pay the deposit again. I'm a new business. So I'm like, I was making exceptions for a lot of people. Like, hey, you didn't show up for this class. Um, I'm not going to, you know, just take your deposit and say thanks for the money. But, you know, there's another class. So I did that for quite a few people, quite a few times. And then eventually I was like, okay, I get it, I'm a new business, but in order to avoid these types of people, I have to raise my deposit amount. So I raised my deposit up to 40 bucks, 40 bucks on a $100 class, it's 40%. Um, and it's been working out pretty well. Um, so, Squarespace, I created a website, but why? I don't remember why, but I didn't end up sticking with it. I didn't end up sticking with it, and I don't remember why. Okay. Yeah, I use um, I use Squarespace for mine. Yeah. For my personal website, yeah. I um, wanted to. Not it's not a paid advertisement or anything. I no. legit use it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But uh, but if Squarespace is, listening. I mean, yeah, if Squarespace <laughs> wants to sponsor, it, you yeah. can sponsor either one of us. We'll gladly, right. you know, we'll promote you. I'll accept. I like Squarespace. I actually do. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to do Squarespace because I was like, okay, you also get that square for your phone, so people can bring cards. You can swipe cards mm -hmm. in the classroom. So that definitely did appeal to me. I knew that they also handle. I knew for a fact they handle money. Um. For a while, my barber was using Squarespace. I don't know what he uses now, but either way, um, he might actually still use Squarespace. So I knew that Squarespace accepted cards. I could accept cards in person. That was something that I was interested in. But then I said, okay, if I can just get a website where, again, everybody just wants to point and click without even talking to me. So, um. I was like, okay, I want something that accepts money. I want something you point, you click, you book a date, you're in the class, you pay the deposit, or you can pay the full amount, and it's going to send you an email. Congratulations. It sends me an email. Hey, this person registered. So um, it was interesting. Yeah. That's... And it's like before this, my most technical thing that I did was in high school, I learned how to replace iPhone screens, and that was like my money maker in college. Yeah, I remember you were doing that. Yeah, replacing for, broken for iPhone screens. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice little markup on that too. So, and that ain't easy. It's not, and they they know that there are people like me out here that can do that, so mm -hmm. they make it harder each time. Like, oh yeah, um, what they did in this one recently in the 12s and the 13s is there's a little microchip on the back of the screen that must transfer from screen to screen. So the last time they did that was with um, Touch ID. Your yeah. Touch ID button had to go from screen to screen, but it wasn't soldered. It wasn't micro soldered. It was just screws that held it in place. You connect the ribbon cable, but it had to be that Touch ID button. Yeah. So now there's a little microchip in the back of 
the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 13 that if you don't remove it properly and you don't micro solder it back to the new screen properly, your face ID doesn't work. So oh, no. I have insurance on my phone through AT&T and back in August, I dropped my phone and I cracked the screen, made an insurance claim, not for a new phone, but just for a screen repair because they're like, okay, screen repair is like 49 bucks. So again, I do this. So I looked it up and I'm like, well, I just get my screens off of eBay. So I can probably just do it myself. <laughs> Look on eBay and a brand new screen for an iPhone 12. Mind you, this is before the 13s came out. It's like 350. Whoo. <laughs> and I was seeing that issue and I was like, I gotta learn something new that I could easily mess up. And I got up, I'm like, no. So I did the insurance claim and my face ID does not work. So, like I said, that was August, so August. So for a few months, I've been punching in the code on my phone every time I unlock it, and I cannot tell you how tedious it is. Oh yeah, And so you never adjust to it. You no. never adjust to it. You can say like, oh yeah, I'll get used to it. No, you don't. Nope. You've been spoiled for so long just looking at your phone and swiping It's already up. unlocked. Yeah, or yeah. even like, so like with COVID, I thought it was sweet that they brought the feature where if you're wearing a mask, mm -hmm. you're, as long as your watch is on, it'll unlock your phone. Oh, wow. It'll detect that you have on a mask. As long as your watch is on and unlocked, it'll unlock your phone. But when your face ID doesn't work, <laughs> it doesn't know what a face is. So it doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask or not. I was thinking I could still unlock my phone from my watch and nope. <laughs> Each and every time there's a six digit code and man, that is not fun. It gets annoying. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to take it a, a different direction. Okay. We talked a little bit earlier about traveling. Yes. Uh, pre pre uh, podcast. Yes, that is and true. And we've mentioned COVID. Yes. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk about the uh, how you believe that you yes, had COVID? Yes. So I. It's a great story. I definitely do believe I had COVID. So, um, 2019, December 2019, the week of Christmas. My family. So when I say my family, I typically mean my immediate family. So, me, my mother my two sisters, my niece, and my brother-in-law, we take a carnival cruise for five days, I believe, to the Caribbean. So we go to Jamaica and the Grand Cayman Islands. So um, Christmas we spend, so yeah, Christmas we spend in Jamaica. The day after Christmas, we're in the Cayman Islands. So we get to the Cayman Islands and it's like, overcast but you know if you've ever been on a cruise sometimes you're only in, if it's a short cruise like five days you're only in port for like eight hours yeah so people think that cruises are like oh i'm gonna go see this and i'm gonna see this and i'm gonna be here and i'm gonna be there and it's actually a little bit more stressful than it actually like there are pros and cons to cruises so yes you're gonna see different countries you're gonna go to different places but like I said, so you're in port for eight hours. When we were in the Grand Caymans, we were there from like nine to five. 
So if you think, oh, I'm on vacation, I'm going to sleep in. Nope. Guess what? You can sleep in. You can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to wake up at noon, and then I'm going to go out and explore the island. You got five hours, and that boat will leave you. That's why they sell you travel insurance. So if that boat says, hey, we're leaving at five, and you're, you'll be running along the dock as the boat is sailing <laughs> off. So, um, yeah, you're waking up at 9 o'clock so that you can explore Jamaica for eight hours. But like I said, so your food's included. Your accommodation is included. So, and then there are, there are fun things to do on the ship. Um, you can get an alcohol package. You can get a drink package if that's what you prefer. So will I say that they're a complete waste of money? If you don't pay full price, no. So if you don't pay full price and you can get it at a discount, if you go through a travel agent, like we have a travel agent that works for Carnival, and it's real weird how the internet works. Um, so obviously they email me and they'll say like, Hey, you can cruise as low as $20 a night. And you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And so you're not going to cruise for that cheap. Yeah. They get you on the market. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, Hey, we got cruises starting at $10 a day. And you're like, all right, clickbait, you win this time. I'm going (laughs) to open it. So, and it never fails. So we took that cruise in 2019. If I go to, if I get that, carnival email and i click on it and i say okay so then they're like oh yeah well these are the three or four or five day cruises that we're going to let you cruise ten dollars a day for and it's ten dollars a day per person so and then there's hidden fees and they're like oh you're going to be in an interior state room and you're like oh i want a view so long story short you go there you price out the cruise it's not that it's going to be considerably more but So like I said, I work at night. So if I go to, if I fall for the clickbait, I plan an itinerary and then I just don't purchase it, my travel agent will call me that next morning and he'll (laughs) offer a discount and he'll be like, hey, so I see you planned this itinerary. Do those days work for you? I see you had the balcony room. You wanted the balcony room? Okay. Um. So why didn't you buy it last night? Well, I see you're interested. So what if I gave you like 20% off? What if I gave you 20% off and threw in a drink package? And then you're like, okay, now I'm considering it. Uh But I never, I haven't pulled the trigger again. Um, So me, Denzel, Julian, and Chuck, we all talk. We're all in like, group messages and stuff like that we talk pretty much every day at least through like snapchat and instagram like yeah not on the phone but um and we also celebrate what we call july birthdays where we all meet up every year some random city somewhere random and we just hang out for the weekend or the week however long it may be and we keep saying that one year we want to do a cruise but we haven't pulled the trigger on it yet but anyway Going all the way back. so <laughs> Derailed a little bit. Yeah, derailed a lot. Sorry about that. So, um, Christmas Day, we're in Jamaica. We're driving Polaris's through, like, the mountains and through mud and having a lot of fun. 
Um, then we leave or we eat. It was my first time having jerk chicken. I think wasn't bad and like some rice dish and a beef patty or something. They weren't bad. I'm not a jerk cuisine guy, so it was nice to experience the culture though. Yeah. Um, the next day we're in the Grand Caymans. Uh, so since we did an excursion the day before, we're like, hey, we're just going to go to the beach and chill. White sand beaches, clear water. So we're like, yeah, we're going to go to the beach. We get off the cruise ship and there's sun. Then we get on the tour bus to take us to the beach and it's overcast. And I'm like, okay, well, we're here. So we're walking onto the beach and there's like a guy that either works for like the parks department or like for the city or something or for the beach. I don't know how that worked. I didn't really look at him. Didn't really pay too much attention to him. <laughs> so I'm walking on the beach and he's like, hey, just wanted to give everybody a warning. Blah, 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 blah. It was like Charlie Brown. All I heard was, I just want to <laughs> give everybody a warning. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so I literally go onto the beach. Um, I'm having fun with my niece and my sister in the water. I'm swimming. We're seeing like who can hold their breath the longest and stuff like that. And I'm drinking and I'm eating wings at the bar and I'm enjoying myself, even though it's overcast. And then... So then it starts to rain. So we're like, okay, it was time for us to go back anyway. We get back on the bus. We go back to the boat or to the dock. My family is like, hey, we're about to get back on the boat. I see that there's a liquor store right there at the port. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the liquor store. And so my brother-in-law is like, I'm going to give you some money. Give me this. And then I'm texting people and they're like, yeah, give me this. Give me that. Give me this. So I go into this liquor store and this liquor store was probably, I'd say 40 feet by like 18 feet, 40 feet long by 18 feet wide. And right in the middle were the registers and they formed like an oval. So you literally came in there and you were, you were butt to gut in this line because there's three cruise ships. Everybody's probably leaving port at the same time. So everybody's in there at the same time. And it's just single file line. You're marching right along. You're grabbing stuff off the shelf as needed. There's no walking around shopping and then getting in line yeah. in this liquor store. There's, there's no, no space. Back. There's no space. Yeah. So like if you try to go like, hey, I want some rum, somebody's going to think you're cutting them. So... I'm in line and it's probably like an hour until the ship's supposed to leave. Like 10, 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by and I just start feeling like complete crap out of nowhere. And so at this point, I probably got a box in my hand with like 800 bucks worth of liquor for like me and my my brother-in-law and also for friends that responded to text messages. So... I'm standing there with this box and I feel like complete crap. And then I'm probably maybe 20 people away from the register. Like I had made it into the home stretch at this point. I was probably two thirds of the way through the line. So I'm, I'm in my home stretch. I'm amazed there's still that many people exactly. in the, in the exactly. store. How small and it is. There's one register. Yeah. 
So, and I'm like, I don't understand how this is working. So, and then also I'm like, okay, I also, well, I wanted to go to a souvenir store and get some souvenirs, but looks like I'm, I also, so I do collect shot glasses, but now I'm like, okay, I got to get whatever shot glasses are on sale at the corner. I mean, on the register of the liquor store. So I'm like, yeah, souvenir shops out. So two thirds of the way through this line, maybe 20 people back, maybe 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by. And now I'm like still five people back. And what I thought was the worst I could ever feel has just intensified. And I'm just like, I can't even stand in this line anymore. I feel so bad. So I literally sit this box of liquor on the counter and walk right out. Walk out. I get on the boat, the boat that takes me back to the bigger boat. Um, So it's like a shuttle boat. I go inside the room. I say, I meet up with my family. I'm like, hey, I'm sick. They're like, well, you know. um, So we had developed like this routine of going to karaoke. (laughs) <laughs> we were going to karaoke, um, and we were going there as a family. We were having fun. Um, so we were going to go to karaoke, or they went to karaoke that night, but my one sister, she got us custom-made shirts that was, I don't even remember what they said, like something about Wells Family Cruise or something. I don't know, something like cheesy. But yeah, cute. something cheesy. Yeah, so um, we literally wait until like the second to the last day to wear these shirts and take a family picture. So I get back to the room and I'm like, hey, I'm sick. I'm not going to karaoke. I'm not going to dinner. I'm going to sleep. And so they're like, oh, you're going to miss out on the photo. I'm like, "Um, if you guys don't get your shirts dirty, we can take it again tomorrow. I don't know. But as far as that goes, take it without me. So it's like, like I said, so we left port at five. We're supposed the port call was at five, so I probably got back to the room at six. Laid down, passed out. Woke up seven o'clock in the morning, and so thirteen I was, hours. Yeah, literally, and it gets worse. So I'm sharing a room with my sister, and she's like, "So I remember her waking me up because they were going to breakfast, and she's like, you going to breakfast?'" And I'm like, "No, I'm sick." And so she like. Puts her hand on my forehead, and she's like, oh, yeah, you're sick. And so she's like, I'll bring you back something. I'm like, thanks. So she's like, what do you want? Like, waffles, bacon, hash browns, scrambled eggs, thinking that I'm going to eat. Yeah. So And some orange juice. So she brings this stuff back. She's like, I got you some orange juice. I also got you some emergency. Here's your plate of food. Barely touched this plate. I drink the emergency and then I drink like half of the orange juice. I lay back down. It's like 7.30 in the morning. Lay back down. Yeah. No. About 7.45, 8 o'clock in the morning. Lay back down. Wake up at noon. They're like, hey, (laughs) now at this point, the whole family's in the room. Which like, this is pre-COVID. So you're like, ah, somebody's sick. Let's go see what's wrong with Deshaun. So... Whole family's in the room. They're like surrounding me like I'm on my deathbed. They're like, <laughs> are you all right? And I'm like, yeah. Um, or I'm like, no, I'm sick. I'm sick. They're like, well, we're about to go to lunch. We just wanted to come check on you. 
So my other sister who's in the health field, she's like feeling on me. She's like, what's your symptoms? And like, I could tell her gears were turning, but like, I'm drained. So I'm like, these are my symptoms. And she's like, well, she's like, she said you didn't eat breakfast. You need to at least um, go up on deck and get some vitamin D. Sit out in the sun. And she's like, and then again, she said, that I told you the guy at the beach said, don't get in the water because of this. And I'm like, I don't remember what he, I didn't even hear what he said. Yeah. So like I said, it could have been like a water virus or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I go up on deck. I'm sitting in a pool chair. Pass out two hours. So you've already slept so, 13, you've slept another five, and then now exactly, you're sleeping another two. Exactly. So then I wake up, and I think my niece finds me, like, sitting in this chair asleep. So she finds me, she wakes me up, and she's like, um, hey, you want to try to get something to eat? And so I'm like, yeah, let's go try to get something to eat. We go down to some sandwich restaurant. I think I got a corned beef sandwich with french fries. And I took two bites of this corned beef sandwich and I ate like a handful of french fries. And I just couldn't eat. I had no appetite. And so she's like, "Um, this is the last night on the boat. You wanna do something? And I'm like, yeah, what do you wanna do? And she's like, let's go to the I don't know what it's called, like movie on deck or um, drive. Yeah. Oh, dive in the dive in movie because okay. it's like a projector screen in front of the pool. So they call it the dive in movie. So I'm like, OK, let's go to that. And I had never seen Toy Story four, but me being older than her, I got her in the Toy Story. And I remember I think. I want to say Toy Story three came out where she was still young and. I was like older, so I drove her to go see it. So I'm like, hey, I've never seen Toy Story 4. Let's see it. So we watched Toy Story 4, and the entire time, so they've they've been doing a dive-in movie every night. You can watch the movie underneath the stars. The entire time, they've got like fleece blankets that you can get from the towel shack. But since it's the last night, they don't have blankets available. So I remember going there and it's nighttime and we're literally on the ocean. So it's breezy. And I'm like, hey, I need some towels. And they're like, how many? And I'm like, let's start with four. <laughs> well, I asked for a blanket. They said no blankets. I'm like, okay, um, can I get four towels? So I take these four towels and I think I tried to put two on my legs and like two over me. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I'm like, hey, Madison, can you go get me some more towels? <laughs> and she's like putting towels on me and I'm trying to enjoy this holiday vacation with my niece and like spend some quality time with her and watch this movie that like we have this bond through. But I'm like shivering. I feel like complete crap. And the movie ended and I was like, all right. She's like, are we going to stay for the next movie? I'm like, you can. I'm not. And so I went back in the room, passed out again. So I stayed up for <laughs> Toy Story and for what I would call dinner and passed out again. Woke up. We were back in, 
Fort Lauderdale, got off the boat. Um, we went to the airport, slept on a plane, came home, slept again. The next day, went to go see Dave Chappelle in Cleveland. <laughs> and that's why I say, so this is 2019, before we really know, before us, before we know about COVID, but apparently the government knows about COVID at this point. <laughs> and they're like, hey, this is pretty bad. So go see Dave Chappelle. I'm thinking maybe I have the flu. I'm like, oh, I got the flu, and this is just really bad. Like, this is a bad case of the flu. Go see Dave Chappelle. I remember eating a soft pretzel and drinking ginger ale. I didn't even drink alcohol to watch Dave Chappelle, and the soft pretzel was all I ate that day. So didn't drink for New Year's Eve, and I'm like, and then – I just rolled into dry January for 2019. I always do dry January, but yeah. I rode into it. Like I was like, hey, you got I a head drank. start. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> drank since the day after Christmas. I had extra days. I was like <laughs> bragging about it. So, um, yeah, that I think I may have had it. Um, the only reason why I think I may have not is because. I didn't lose my sense of taste or smell. But in May of 2020, I did get a blood antigen test done, and they said I had antibodies present from COVID to the amount of someone who had had COVID. So I'm like, wow. But so I it probably was either that or I was asymptomatic. So, yeah, either one, one of those two, um, because we had, oh, yeah, May. This is like the COVID, like March was the two week shutdown, the famous yeah. two week shutdown. Like we're still in that two week yeah, shutdown. We're, <laughs> we're still in that somewhat. Like people are still eating an igloos outside. So, <laughs> um, May we had a scare where one person caught COVID at work, and it was like if your shift caught COVID, you know, your whole shift has to quarantine. So it put a lot of stress on a lot of other shifts, but. Um, I'm not going to say, well, luckily number one, I'll preface this by saying, luckily nobody at the department died from COVID or got yeah. like bad COVID. But, um, luckily when one person on the shift got COVID, we all got COVID or not all, but like for the most part, if a shift caught, if one person on that shift caught COVID, they all caught it at the same time. So yeah. there's studies done saying that you can't catch it more than once um i have a brother-in-law who works at a at an er room down in texas he's caught it three times so we don't know too much about covid yeah it's it's a crazy everything crazy, contradicts itself yeah um i don't want to dive too much into the whole covid thing um yeah. but i thought your i thought your covid story was pretty interesting i do think um, i had it and i got it from a cruise ship not the diamond princess but <laughs> um the carnival sunshine yeah so that i do find that pretty interesting also my sister was sick with the same symptoms the same time as me so like she got sick she didn't get sick back uh she didn't sick uh <laughs> ah. <laughs> on that note i'll drink a little water but she didn't get sick until we got back to Cleveland. So she got sick around New Year's Eve. So that was like the 
the incubation period pretty much like if you would have gave it to her again that, three to four days yeah. right so it's interesting wow. it's very very interesting so, and she's the one that's in the healthcare field so she like i have my conspiracy theories about things but like for her to think like hey i think i ha- i think we both had COVID. i'm like okay maybe right. it's a conspiracy maybe it's not who knows she also had antibodies present too so wow you guys probably had it. We probably did. We yeah. were hipster. We were COVID hipsters. <laughs> you had it before it was cool. Exactly. <laughs> before the show. So down. yeah, and then I was an unknown super spreader at the Dave Chappelle show. Um December thirtieth, twenty nineteen. <laughs> Someone's gonna listen to me listen oh, to this yeah. and be like, That motherfucker. I was sitting that close to him. I got sick after that. <laughs> I got sick after that. Like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um Speaking of Dave Chappelle. Going to see him tomorrow, and you get to you get to see him next week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Should be interesting. Uh, pretty interested. Um, his his new untitled. Uh, it sounds interesting. I mean, there's not a whole lot of details about it. Yeah. Um, and surrounding the whole, uh, like controversy of his new Netflix, uh, special. I, I don't know. I'm more of a. I like it as an art, like comedy yeah. person. I'm not digging too deep into the weeds. Yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah. This last special, don't get me wrong. Love there Dave was Chappelle. a lot. Love Dave Chappelle. He's definitely top three comedians in my book. Um, but this new special was like we were beating a dead horse. It yeah. wasn't like it shouldn't have been a special in my eyes. But his stand-up's great. His stand up is great. And his work is great. But his whole portfolio is yeah. very solid. Exactly. But like this last special, I was like, and I've talked to other friends that feel the same way. And I'm like, you may have laughed six times throughout the entire special. And it wasn't like a good deep laugh that you would usually get. It was it's like, like a, a <laughs> like it's like a LOL and yeah, a text it was message. like yeah, it was definitely like an LOL and a text message. Like I can't even remember stuff. Like there's not even like a funny joke that really stood out from that special. Yeah, I'll be honest. I went, uh, I watched the the new one, and mm-hmm. then I went back and watched all the other ones. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's like de- beating a dead horse, and yeah, he really exactly. does bring up a lot exactly. of similar the, things, but mm-hmm. he tells new jokes. And the second one, that was with the whole, you know, it was like I was hitchhiking in a car. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. So, and then that was mostly the joke for their community. Yeah. In that second special. But the third special just focused on them. And I was like, at the end, I get where he was going. Once, like, but the beginning didn't really click. Like, I'm like, okay, so this is what we're doing this whole time. Yeah. Until he started bringing up Daphne and he started tying it into, like, you know, black civil rights and, like, the black movement. I'm like, okay. That's when it started to make sense, but I'm like, that's not the show that I would have wanted to see. Right. Because I know those people pay good money to be there. Oh, and for sure. That's not the show I would have wanted to pay for. 
Right. So. So would you say that like as a, as a black man, that's like your honest opinions and how you feel about it? Or would you, would you go a little further and say anything else? I will say this. And now this is Dave Chappelle, who's obviously easily recognized as Dave Chappelle. Right. You can walk into almost anywhere and somebody's going to say, hey, that's Dave Chappelle. So I will play devil's advocate for him on that. But people don't like the way he was saying it was like people stop. He was telling them to stop coming up to him and saying, hey, you don't understand our fights as transgenders. I've never had anyone come up to me and tell me that I don't understand their fights as a transgender or as LBGTQIA. Did I get it right? AI? I think They've so. They've added some letters now. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of I've letters. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, hey, you don't understand our fight. But I get, you know, Dave Chappelle, you make one joke and then... The community tries to cancel you, and so you make another joke, and now they're even more mad, so I can get it. They probably come up, if they happen to see you on the street, yeah, this is my one time to tell you how I feel. Right. I'm going to speak my mind. So he probably does run into it a lot more than the average person. But, um, so that could have been like him getting his anger out and addressing the whole community at once but it was and it was that's what he did the whole time yeah. but I will say yes in a sense where if their community tries to relay like hey you don't know where we're fighting for. You don't know what it's like to fight to be gay or to be openly gay or something like that. And it's like, hey, yeah, I don't know what it's like to be openly gay, but as a black person, and I was born in 92, so I'm still seeing like the tail end of racism. Because I will say maybe, hopefully, with our generation and like the next maybe two or three generations, maybe racism dies off. Hopefully, keep our fingers crossed. Right. But um, tell them the racism. So it's like, don't say we don't know what you're fighting for or we don't know the struggle, as Dave Chappelle put it. But that's as much as I'll give. I'll say, yeah, we know the struggle, but I've never had anybody come up to me and accuse me of not knowing the struggle. Right. I look at them and I say, oh, yeah, it's a tough time. Because, I mean, up until 9-11, the world was racist. Yeah, I think it got a little more the, racist. But, but I will say the whole before 9-11, we were, you know, black-white racist. Yeah, it was, black, white it was focused on that. And yeah. then it was like 9-11 came and it's like, okay, now we're both upset at the brown people. And we don't trust them. And it's like, now it's like we've shifted from Muslims and Arabs to, hey, now we don't like the strange people who don't want to identify as male or female or whatever the case may be. And it's like, now it's like, you know, you get into, or 
you know, around 9-11, people were throwing eggs at taxi drivers and people were bombing like convenience stores where you had those Muslim and Arab people working yeah. at. And now it's like now that we're shifting our attention towards the gays and the homosexuals, um, you'll get into an Uber with a Muslim and not think about it or an Arab. Or, I mean, granted, you know, 2001 was a long time ago. We've moved chronologically further away from it. But we also know that as a we as a generation, we know like, hey, listen, we can't group everybody as bad apples. Yeah, It wasn't just Muslims. It was Muslim extremists. So we can't just say all Muslims are bad. So it seems like we always have to be, I'm not going to say competitive, but there's always going to be like an us versus them mentality. And I don't know why, but I will say that our generation seems to be breaking that mentality more so. Yeah. I like to, I'd like to see what our generation has. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Like what we've affected society to be in like, you know, 25 years. Absolutely. I'd love to see what happens. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we've already, well, not our generation. Technically, the generation before us did so much with technology, and we're just taking it and running with it. Like, yeah. I remember growing up watching the Jetsons and thinking that it was so cool that they could look at each other on the phone, like as a phone call. I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's sweet. Let me get my house phone with this 24 cord, 20 foot cord, and call my friends. And now it's like, yeah, I'm FaceTiming. Well, not this did not happen, but like <laughs> I can FaceTime someone and drive down 71. Yeah. You Please can. don't FaceTime and drive. I hate it. It's, it's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's possible. And I think that's so wild. Like I remember being in high school and there was me and another person named Kevin Cole. We uh, we had the first iPhones. Oh, you were the cool kids. With yeah, the first we were iPhones. the cool kids with the first iPhones, and I've had an I've I've had nothing but iPhones since. So I've seen the progression of iPhone alone. Like, I went from Motorola Razor and LG Shine to iPhone, and then now we're at iPhone 12, and it's like, it's wild. I right. remember like YouTube with came with the phone, you know. And it was like a TV, like a brown and gray yeah. TV. Yeah. Now it's just the you had the white and red drag and drop music on from iTunes at home on your computer, and now it's like, oh, I want to hear this new album while I'm driving down 71, and I can put this on, or I can put this podcast on, or I want my phone to budget for me. I remember, I think, like looking at old pictures in my phone with this new update. It shows you how many megapixels the camera had back then, and I'm oh, like, yeah. "That's wild." <laughs> and this is still a crap camera. Like, <laughs> it's crazy the change of technology over like, the past. Just, I think the first iPhone came out in what 2008. I want to say seven or eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Like just since then, it's crazy what we've done. Exactly. I, I'd like to see. Um, 
changes in society with oh, it. <laughs> yeah. But the progress in society is a little different than technology. Yeah. Technology is so much faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel like technology is helping us change society. Um, like you mentioned earlier, um, you have your phone in your hand. You can look at other cultures. Mm-hmm. So you can say, like, that looks interesting. I want to see that or I want to go there. Oh, yeah. And just from scrolling on Instagram, you're like, oh, I never knew that this city existed. Like, so when I went down to another side story, when I went down to Cincinnati, my friend Jake, he just uh, took an exam at work and got certified in his field. And so that was like his celebratory trip. And he said, I want to see the Serpent's Mound down in the Cincinnati area. And so I'm like, okay, I'll ride with you. I'm always looking forward to getting out of town. So congratulations, Jake. Uh, just throw <laughs> that out there again. So we go down to go see the Serpent's Mound. And um, before that, before we go to see the Serpent's Mound, like, wow. So I get off work, and he's waking up. He's packing. I get off work. I come home. I pack. I put on YouTube, Serpent's Mound, because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to see. I just know it's a national park or whatever. I just know he wants to see it. I'm down to see it. I love parks, so I'm down, blindly. So (laughs) I search it up, and on YouTube, there's like an eight-minute clip from Joe Rogan on there. So... Oh, really? Yeah, there's like an eight-minute clip. And Joe Rogan actually lets this guy do all the talking, too. So for eight minutes. So he's telling Joe Rogan about the Serpent's Mount, and he's like, dumbing it down as dumb as you can. Like, I picked up on it. I'm like, hey, (laughs) I get – I know what happened here. I know what this is. And I'm, like, looking at clips, and I'm like, okay. Well, number one, looking at pictures of it, I'm like, this is not what I – I don't know what I was imagining – but this, but this is not what I thought I was going to see. And then I got there and I saw it. And I'm like, okay, this is even still different from the pictures that I saw. So, um, and my friend Jake, like I told him, I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I watched this stuff on YouTube about it. And uh, so I kind of know what we're going into. And he's like, I'm not going to say that he blindly went down there, but he has some attachment to it, but... I don't even think he searched pictures of it because like when we got there, he was like, like we kept making this joke. He's like, great. This is it. I just drove three hours for like, <laughs> and we're only here 10 minutes like this. I thought it was going to be like more to it. And I'm like, I kind of watched a YouTube video earlier. Like I could have told you this in the car ride down. But um, so I said that to say this. So that video from JRE come, goes off. And then there's like a suggested video and it's like the world's most north city. And it's called like Svalbard, Norway. S-V-A-L-B-A-R-D, Norway. And so it's 1,500 kilometers away from the North Pole. Um, From October to March, darkness. From March to October, daylight. 24 hours. Wow. 24 hours a day. So I don't know this girl's name, but she does like a vlog up there. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's a nice October day. 
is negative 12. And she's like, we're going to go outside and have a bonfire and make some coffee. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And she's like wearing a sweater and like jeans. And I'm like, what? I'd have like nine layers on. (laughs) Exactly. And then like, so then she does another video where she's like, we're going to go to the grocery store and we're going to take a hike. And she's like, it's actually not nighttime. It's 2.30 p.m. and it's January. But we're in the middle of, I think it's called Polar Nights. So it looks like it's pitch black. Like you have to have a headlamp to walk around at 2.30 p.m. Wow. So, and you also like in that town, it's illegal to be out the house without a shotgun because there's polar bears. So long story short, I'm just like, you know, technology. I never would have known about this town if it wasn't for technology. And I want to go there for like a week or two. I feel like that would be pretty dope. I feel like that's one of the, one of those places that you don't get to experience, but like, why not? Yeah. Hey, if, uh, if you go, I want you to come back like yeah. soon after we'll recap your whole oh, trip. Oh, absolutely. We'll record absolutely. everything. Absolutely. So there's like no running water because it's like in the wintertime, it's like negative 20. And I think like, I want to say she said that a summer day to them was like 15. Yeah, it's (laughs) hot. It's cold. It's hot. (laughs) So I think it would be nice to be there for like two weeks, but I definitely could not do like life. Yeah. So, but it would definitely be something to experience. That would be an awesome experience. Uh, Just to see that extreme, right? Because you're used to, you know, where we're at in Ohio and... Mm -hmm. You're a lot closer to, you know, the equator and normal, exactly. quote unquote, we normal have a life. Day and a night yeah. schedule, like, yeah, it's different. Man, the the seasonal depression would be so uh, real. It's yeah, it's gotta be. Because even when you have daylight, you're still cold. Yeah. So, it's gotta be real. Yeah. Um. All right. I want to. Uh, I want to wrap it up here and okay. bring you into the the final question I ask everyone. All right. Um, so any any advice, the one the one piece of advice, the one thing that you want to live on as um, you know what you said that you want anyone to listen to. Uh, I you know, knew this any, question was coming too. Any I don't like know grandparents why I didn't for it. or grandkids? Sorry, any like grandkids, whatever. Um, like I said, I knew this question was coming and I don't know why I didn't prepare for it, but (laughs) I would have to say that, um, it's definitely important to be financially literate. Yeah. Um, And don't wait until it's too late to do so because... I'm not 30 yet, and I know that I'm going to buy my house before I'm 30, but I know people that don't buy a house before 30, don't buy a house before 40. So, and this is something that had I would have known years ago, I could have had a house at 25, 26, 
24 easily. But again, you get out on your own, you start living and you don't budget properly. You can have fun and budget is definitely possible. So definitely be financially literate in the world. Um, be financially responsible. It's extremely important. Yeah, definitely. Is there any uh, any places you would recommend anyone start looking uh, to be financially literate? Like <sighs> Now, I want to shamelessly quote Ricky Cook. Um, My first guess? Yes, your first guess. The oh, first wow. guess. Um, I do not agree with everything that Dave Ramsey says, mm-hmm. but... If you listen to him, not even religiously, if you listen to him, things will start to click in your head. Yeah. So, and I think the reason why a lot of people like Ricky Cook, I mean, not Ricky, but uh, (laughs) Dave Ramsey is because he's kind of blunt about financial responsibility. Like, so he'll take calls on his podcast and he'll call people stupid or he'll say that something's stupid or something's dumb. But like I said, I don't agree with everything he says because for me, and I don't remember exactly what Ricky said, why he doesn't like him. But for me, he says that credit cards are the devil. He hates credit cards. He does not believe in credit cards. He believes that whatever you want to do in life, you can do without a credit score. <laughs> you can. It's gonna take a while, but it's you gonna can. Be tough. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, if you work a job that pays six figures and you save thirty percent of your salary for, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you save thirty percent of your salary for. You want a house that's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You have to work for five years to save to buy that house, cash. Yeah. So, he doesn't like credit cards. I believe that when used financially responsibly, credit cards are great. You need a credit score. You need to have a credit score. Um, I messed up my credit score in college, and I've been repairing it for the past two years. So, I definitely believe that you got to be financially responsible. I want to... Like I said, I wanted to start teaching financial responsibility classes because I feel like I've learned from errors that other people don't need to make. So wrap that all up. Start with Dave Ramsey. You're not going to like everything he says. The debt snowball is amazing. Work on the debt snowball. That's a great concept of his. Um, And then he'll start bringing on guests. Eventually, you can branch out to Anthony O'Neill. Um... I'm not a religious person. Anthony O'Neill is extremely religious. But again, you don't have to take everything from everyone. Mm -hmm. Take what makes sense. Take what's smart. And then go out and be financially responsible. Awesome. Fantastic advice. Um, It's different than what what we've already seen uh, in previous episodes. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate hearing your stories and, you know, this was a great time. It was, uh, absolutely. It was nice catching up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it we has haven't been. seen each other in since like 2015, 16, 16? Yeah, 2016. 16, yeah. It's been a long time. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. This was awesome catching up, hanging out, telling stories. Uh, if you hung out this long, thank you so much for, thank you for being here. to me talk. Yeah. Really appreciate it. On that, on that note, uh, see you next time.